Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to week three of our New Year's series, The Power of Habits. And today, I want to begin our message by showing you some stunning pictures of tragedies that could have been much, much worse, but fortunately, no lives were lost. Uh, These are pictures of houses that suddenly collapsed. Uh, This first picture uh, was taken in the city of Albany, New York, and what you see is two row houses. Uh, One of them collapsed while the other house right next to it stood firm. It turns out that there had been a leak in the plumbing under that collapsed house, washing one grain of dirt away, away, away for years and years and years undermining the foundation until finally the house went down. Here's another picture. This was taken in a wealthy neighborhood in the UK. And houses in this neighborhood are all well over one million pounds in value. And one house collapses while those around it stand firm. Why? Well, same reason. Problems with the foundation. Uh, Here's another one. This will give you nightmares. Uh, One house in New Zealand, a New Zealand neighborhood drops into a sinkhole. And the reason this happened was many years earlier, about 100 years earlier, a mine began to be dug just over the hills. And over time, as this mine was, was uh, uh, exploited and worked, uh, they had dug a shaft underneath this neighborhood, and they had neglected to map things accurately. And so this one house ended up getting built right over a small extension of the mine. And then one day... It disappeared into the ground while most of the neighbors were doing just fine. Now, this last one is amazing. This is in Shanghai, China. And what you see here is an apartment building that just fell over, just utterly collapsed. Um, Thankfully, it was unoccupied. And you'll notice the buildings around it, they were all uh, the identical design. Uh, They all stand firm. So why did this one fall over? Well, they investigated and discovered that the builders apparently decided to save money on the foundation. Can we all say, very bad idea? (laughs) And uh, they ended up, of course, saving nothing because they lost the entire building. See, it looked fine on the outside until the day that it collapsed. You know, Jesus probably witnessed scenes much, much like these. Uh, We know that in A.D. 17, when Jesus was in his early 20s, one of the biggest earthquakes to ever hit the Mediterranean world hit Israel. And this earthquake toppled entire cities like this one. Uh, These are the ruins of a city called Scythopolis, which is one of the ten cities in the Decapolis uh, where Jesus ministered. And we all know in California how earthquakes work. One house may go down. Uh, while the other house next to it stands unscathed. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the most famous sermon in the Bible, Jesus actually concludes his message by telling a story about an event like these. He said there were two men, and they built two houses. One built his house on solid rock. The other, he built his house on what? Say it out loud. Sand. You know the story. And then Jesus said, a storm came. Violent winds, violent rain strike the houses. They hit both of these houses. Uh, Floods come. It's the storms of life. And the house built on the sand collapses, while the house built on rock withstood the storm. 
After telling this story, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 24. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now today, I want us to look together at how we can do that. How do you build your life on God's word, on the Bible, so that you're building on solid rock, so that when rains and winds and floods come, those inevitable storms of life, that you will be able to handle what happens. And we're talking today about the habit of Bible intake. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you'll remember how we talked about keystone habits, those, those super habits that, that impact our lives in multiple ways. You begin to practice one thing, and it just ripples out across so much of your life. And for the Christ follower, the habit of Bible intake, getting God's Word into your life, is the most important habit of them all. You see, nothing that we can do will have more impact on our spiritual growth on the houses that we build with our lives. You know, it's a, it's a new year, it's just beginning, and we don't know what is gonna happen in 2020, but I can guarantee you this. You will have storms in your life. You will. Emotional storms, health storms, financial storms, vocational storms, uh, all kinds of storms. And if you are not building your house on the solid rock of God's word, you will crumble. You will not be able to stand. I want to invite you to open your Bible to James chapter 1 if you're not there already. We're going to be studying verses 19 through 27. And we're going to be asking as we look at God's word, how can we each develop this habit of getting God's word into our lives? How can we build our lives on the Bible? And I think you, you can see as we go through this to, to build a, a habit of Bible intake uh, we can look at this by looking at the way God wired and shaped you. God gave all of us five senses, hear, smell, see, taste, and touch. And everything you know, everything you experience in life comes through one of these five senses. This is how you encounter life. And so God wants you to learn to encounter the Bible, his word, with every one of these senses. So let's take a look together at five ways to get God's word into my life. Here's the first one. Go ahead and write this down. I receive it with my ears. I receive it with my ears. So we're, we're talking here about hearing the Bible, hearing God speak to you in his word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So every time you hear a message here at Southwinds or every time you hear a Bible teacher on a podcast, when you're hearing the word, your faith is being built and strengthened. And you're doing this first one right now. You're hearing God's word being taught. This is something that builds your faith. And that's what James is talking about. In verse 19, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Notice some of the things that James says here. He says, be quick to listen. That's using my ears. Uh, who here would say, I probably could use a little bit of work on my listening sometimes. You ever discover that in your life? He, he then says, accept the word. Uh, this passage teaches that I must receive God's word with my ears. I have to receive it. 
In Greek, this word accept is the word dekomai, and it is a hospitality term. It, it literally is referring to the welcoming of the stranger. And so James says we are to welcome the word. When you open the Bible, when you open it and you listen to it, you are opening the door of your life and you are saying, Lord, I'm wide open. Come in. I receive your word. I want to receive and accept whatever you have for me, not just what's on my agenda. That's hearing God's word. You welcome the word. James says, I need to accept the word planted in me. And have you noticed how often the Bible compares itself to seed. God's word is seed, and the soil that the seed goes into is our hearts, our lives. Jesus tells a very famous parable. It's called the the parable of the soils, and it teaches this story. He says, receiving the word is like having seed planted in your life. Now, I'm not an expert gardener of any kind, but I like landscaping. I like working on my yard and, 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 and improving things. And over the years, I've learned, like many of you have, that you can plant the same seed in different places and you get totally different results. In some places, the seed flourishes. In some places, it struggles. In some places, it just dies. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, the difference is always going to be in the soil. The soil must be prepared for the seed, and so you got to mulch it and break it up and put some fertilizer on it, maybe a little miracle grow. See, for you to hear God... Your heart must be prepared. Uh, Just take this morning, one example. Uh, This may describe your life in the last few hours. For some of you, say you kind of got up late, you know, and so now you're kind of rushing to get your family ready to get to church, and and, and then as you're driving to church, your kids are brats all the way here. You get in late because somebody stopped to talk to you on the way you know, across the courtyard, and then when you come into the room, someone sat in your seat, and they, they mess with your habit of sitting in that seat, and you miss some of the worship songs, and did I describe anyone's morning so far? <laughs> and then, you know, you're finding yourself like a little frustrated, a little irritated, and you finally sit down, and you, you, you kind of hear yourself saying, okay, God, talk to me, I'm listening. I mean, when that happens, you're, you're probably not going to hear much, Right? Because you're not in a receptive mood. And that is the reason why you can take two people to church and they'll just sit, you know, close to each other. And one's going to walk out saying, God really spoke to me today. And the other one's going to walk out yawning, thinking, I didn't happen. Nothing happened much today. I didn't get anything out of that. Well, what's the difference? Well, heart preparation. Heart preparation. I want to show you a video And I'll be honest with you, I can hardly watch this video without tearing up, and it's probably going to put a lump in your throat as well. Uh, It's a video of Sarah Sherman a few years ago, 29-year-old wife and mother. And because she was receiving a new ear implant, she found in this video hearing herself hearing fully uh, for the very first time. Go ahead and watch this. (laughs) It's like so close. Technically, your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, that's exciting! 
Here, you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. What does it sound like? <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear your voice? Does your voice sound pretty loud? Um, no, not really. What's well, good? <laughs> My laughter sounds loud. Yeah, you'll get used to all of that over time. <laughs> Want to hear your husband say something? <laughs> How powerful is that? I mean, just, just think about that experience. Just think about the joy, the joy of hearing the voice of someone who loves you. The voice of someone who encourages you and who challenges you. Just think about the joy of hearing the the voice of your heavenly father through the Bible. And here's what I'm saying to you. That joy can be your joy every single day. Every single day when you meet God in his word. Some of you may be kind of sitting here right now saying, well, that doesn't really happen to me. You know, I hear people all the time say, well, God spoke to me and in his word, but he never speaks to me. Well, James is kind of giving us in these verses, maybe you can think of it this way, a kind of spiritual ear implant telling us how we can hear God's word. And he tells us we have to do certain things to, to have good reception of God's word. In fact, there are four attitudes we need for good reception. Uh, I want you to write these down. He says, first of all, to hear God speak, I, I must be quiet. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Sometimes my wife, Dana, tells me, Mike, when you're talking, you're not listening. At least I think that's what she said. Uh, (laughs) you got to be quiet. You've got to get still. You can't hear God if you're talking. Second, James says, I need to be calm. He says, slow to become angry. Have you ever noticed when you're angry, you don't really hear much? You ever notice how defensive and upset people rarely listen? They don't hear. And the same thing is true in hearing God's word. The Bible tells us in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And some of us don't hear God because we never get still. I read this week that uh, speaking raises your blood pressure and listening actually lowers your blood pressure. So I'm up here raising my blood pressure because I love you. And you're out there lowering your blood pressure. And actually, some of you are doing that so well, you're asleep. You're successful at that. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We need to be quiet. We need to be calm. We also need to be clean. Third thing. In other words, if I want to hear God speak to me, I can't keep sin piled up in my life. James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. You might say it this way, before you plant seeds, you need to pull some weeds. In other words, when I plant a garden, I don't just throw the seeds out. I I go in there first and break up the soil and I take out the rocks and I pull out the weeds and I get the soil clean so it's not full of junk. It's ready for the seed. 
James specifically says to get rid of two things. He says moral filth and evil. This Greek word translated filth is the word ruparia. And some of you are going to like this because maybe you're a junior high, high boy at heart. And others, you're going to be grossed out by it. But I'll tell you anyway, uh, this word in the Greek language is sometimes used for earwax. Some of you are saying that's gross. Well, the point is, sin in our lives is gross. Sin in our lives keeps us from hearing God. And if you say God never speaks to me, maybe it's because there's spiritual, emotional, moral, ethical earwax keeping you from hearing him. James says you got to get rid of anything in your lives that you know is wrong. you got to take out the spiritual garbage. And I just want to tell you today, you're not going to hear God if your mind is filled with resentment or jealousy or anger or pornography or pride. You're just not going to hear God. He says, get rid of anything you know is wrong. Take out the spiritual garbage. You say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible calls that confession. We confess our sins to God. The Greek word for confession literally means just to agree with God. And it's the Greek word homo legeo. The prefix homo means same. Uh, we, we get words like homogenized from that. The, the verb legeo means to speak or to say. So literally, this word confession means to say the same thing about sin as God says. We're saying when we confess, God, I agree with you. You are right and I was wrong. It's when you look at your life and you say, Lord, I was wrong uh, to say that to my kids. Lord, I was wrong to, to think that about that person. I was wrong to do that to that person. That's confession. And when you clear out the garbage in your life, when you confess and repent, it opens you up to hear God's word. The fourth attitude that James talks about is I need to be humble. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. What does it mean to be humble? Well, in this context, it means I'm ready to do whatever God tells me to do in his word. And if I come to God's wherever the prideful attitude, God, you just tell me what you want me to do and then I'll decide if I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna hear what God has to say. See, these are the, the spiritual hearing aids for the first way to get God's word into my life. I receive God's word. I do that through my ears. I, I hear the word of God. And this is a great way to get the word of God into your life. But if this is the only way, you're not going to be growing very much. You know, studies show that we forget 95% of what we hear within 72 hours. This is a stat that makes pastors everywhere weep. And then I jokingly tell people sometimes, I don't know, by Thursday, I don't even know what I said on Sunday. Uh, you know, we forget. And by the way, this is one of the reasons why we provide a place for you to take notes, because it helps us remember better. So hearing is good, but it's not enough. It's not all. We need more. Second way that I get God's word into my life is I read it with my eyes. I read it with my eyes. I read the Bible. And you cannot grow spiritually without reading the Bible. Look at verses 22 to 25. James says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And this is what happens. I mean, this happens a lot of times on Sunday. You get up, 
um, and you hear a message, and by the time you, you get home and get to work the next day, you've just totally forgotten it. Verse 25 gives what we're supposed to do. It's the opposite. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do you know the whole reason that I'm doing this series on habits is right here? I I want you to be blessed. I want you to know God's blessing in every area of your life, blessing on your family, on your work, on your finances, on your health. The Bible says if you do these things, you will be blessed. So let's go back and look at that again. And maybe you want to circle a few things. We've, we've been talking about the first one. He said we're to listen, but he, he says here, don't merely listen. He says the man who looks intently. So maybe circle looks intently. This is one of the ways you get blessed. And this is talking about reading the Bible. And then James says he continues to do this. You might circle continues. This is reviewing the Bible. And then he writes, not forgetting what he has heard. That's remembering the Bible. Circle not forgetting. And then he says, but doing it. So that's responding to the Bible. See, this is the person who gets blessed. You do all of these things. And and so he's telling us, it starts with this person looking intently at God's word. And what he's talking about here is reading the Bible. But this isn't speed reading. This isn't skimming. And when I read the Bible, I slow down and I reflect on what is being said. I I ponder the thoughts that I'm seeing. I, I look intently. And James says that doing this is like looking in a mirror. You ever ask yourself why he uses that analogy? I think the answer is because a mirror reveals truth, right? A, a mirror reveals the truth about yourself, and we don't like the truth, right, sometimes. We, we can't handle the truth sometimes, but it reveals truth. And so when we look into God's word intently, it reveals the truth about who we are. We see ourselves, Every one of us did this this morning, right? When you get up, before you walk out the door, you look in the mirror. You're assessing the damage, right? <laughs> you want to see what needs changing. And so maybe after you look in the mirror, you run a, a brush or a comb through your hair, uh, if you have some. Um, or maybe you say, I don't have time for that. So you just put a ball cap on and maybe you wash your face. Maybe you put on some makeup after you look in the mirror. Someone asked me one time, uh, Pastor Mike, is makeup a sin? And I said, no, it's the gift of God. (laughs) How many of you say, thank God for makeup, you know? (laughs) I read this week that the first Queen Elizabeth, hundreds of years ago, of course, as she got older and as she lost her beauty, she took all of the mirrors in Buckingham Palace out because she didn't want to see the truth. She didn't want to see that she was growing older. And we don't want to do that in relationship to the mirror of God's truth, right? If you stop to think about it, there's two ways you can look in a mirror. The first one is you can glance. You can glance in a mirror. And uh, ask this question. This will reveal the age of some of us. Um, How many of you remember the show Happy Days from the 70s, right? You know, you guys remember the Fonz? Everybody go, hey, right? You remember that scene they they would do where he'd go by a mirror and he'd just take a glance at it? And then he would move on because he was pure perfection. He didn't need to change a thing. Well, we're not to glance at the, God, the word of God. 
You don't want to do that with this mirror. Rushing through reading the Bible never helps you grow. Instead, you want to do what you want to do is the second thing, which is to gaze intently. God wants us to gaze at his word, to read it thoughtfully, to read it thoroughly. So how do we do that? How do we do that consistently? Well, I may sound like a broken record, but you need to get a Bible reading plan. You need to have a plan. And it doesn't really matter in some regards what the plan is. As long as you have a plan, as long as you're working the plan, you can have a plan that's as short as a week, and then you get another plan. You can have a plan that's longer even than a whole year. You, you may have a, a plan that you use for a while, and you switch to a different plan. But the point really is this. You have a, a direction you're going, and you're heading in that direction, and that plan is keeping you on the track uh, of reading God's word consistently, systematically reading through portions of God's word, eventually reading through all of God's word, and doing that on a regular basis. And this is so important. We all know this old adage that goes like this. When you fail to plan, you plan to what? Fail. To truly read God's word and gaze at it intently, you need a plan. Do you have a plan? Third way I get into God's word and get it into my life is I research it with my hands and my mouth. Now, this is talking about Bible study. And what's the difference between Bible reading and Bible study? Well, essentially, Bible study happens when you read the Bible with a pen or a pencil and you take notes. In fact, there are two components of study when you think about it. It first of all requires writing down what I learn and then talking about it with someone else. This is what turns reading into study. When I write something down and then I talk about it with someone else, now, now I'm studying God's word. And let me just tell you, this is part of why we believe in life groups. Because you don't need to study the Bible just on your own. You should study the, the word of God with other believers. And so you get in a group and you listen to God's word and you write some things down and you read and you talk, you use your hands, you use your mouth to study the word of God. I write down what I learn, I talk about what I learn and I do it with other people. I'm studying God's word. In John 5.39, Jesus says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. So we study God's word to learn about Jesus, and we all need to do that. By the way, let me just make it really clear. Some of you think that the study of God's word is just for people like me or maybe for your life group leader, or maybe for someone who's a more serious Christ follower than, than you are in your mind. I just want to tell you today, studying God's word is for everyone who knows God. Every Christ follower should learn how to study God's word. Acts 17 gives us an example of that. Uh, Luke is talking about a group of people who lived in this small city called Berea. It was a city in Greece. And he said this, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
So what we see here is these people were hearing Paul preach, and then they were studying the scriptures together. And this is what should be happening in the life of this church. This is what we want to see happening in our life groups. This is why we have sermon-based life groups where people gather together and we study God's word as a church on Sunday mornings. And then uh, and the rest of the week, groups get together and they talk about the things we've learned and go deeper and farther with that. It's God's word opened and God's word read and God's word talked about and God's word prayed over and we're doing that with other people. We're not just doing it by ourselves. So you should be studying God's word by yourself. But you should also be studying it with other Christ followers. That's the third way. Here's a fourth way I get God's word into my life. I review and remember it with my mind. James 1.25 says, But the man who looks intently, that's reading, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, that's reviewing, not forgetting what he has heard, that's remembering, but doing it, that's responding, he will be blessed in what he does. See, if you're going to be blessed in what you do, you have to learn to review and remember with your mind. And you do this continually. You're pondering and you're thinking about what God has to say. And you're doing that over and over. You're remembering, not forgetting. And you just need to hear this. If you are serious about growing spiritually, if you are serious about being spiritually strong and spiritually mature, you must develop the habit of getting God's word into your life. And this happens as you practice these things. What I'm referring to here at this level, this fourth way, is summarized in two words. The first word is memorizing. Memorizing scripture. Do you memorize scripture? Uh, Let me put this out for you. I think this is true, although many of us don't stop to think this but it really is, every Christ follower should develop the habit of Scripture memorization. Every Christ follower. Because to be spiritually strong, to be emotionally mature, to grow more like Jesus, you have to develop this habit of memorizing God's Word, putting that Word into your mind, hiding that Word in your heart. Why? Have you ever noticed how often when you really need God's Word, a Bible's not handy? You ever notice how that happens? It's amazing. You know, you're tempted. You probably don't have a Bible by your side. Or you're in some kind of a crisis, and the Bible just isn't there with you so you can open it in that moment. Or, or maybe you're witnessing. You ever been witnessing? You just you know there's a verse, and you can almost think of the verse, but you can't quite get a hold of it. And you're, you think you know what part of the Bible it's in, but you can't quite get there. You wish you had a Bible, but you don't. See, we need to have it in our minds, so that whenever we need it, we can access it, we can review it and remember it right there. Now, here's what I know some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember anything. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but some of you are thinking that right now, aren't you? I can see by the smiles on your face. You're already thinking that. You're giving yourself an excuse on this one. I just want to obliterate your excuses in the next few minutes, okay? Do you know that memory is a skill? Uh, Memory is something that can be developed just like a muscle. Do you know that studies have shown that people who memorize Scripture as a habit 
develop stronger memories in every other area of your life. It, it improves your memory in general. And so having said that, can we talk? Like, can we be honest with each other? We remember what's important to us, don't we? We remember what's important to us. We remember phone numbers and dates that are important to us. And I'm sorry, guys, if I just exposed you because you forgot your anniversary. Um, But this is still true. (laughs) Maybe you need to work on that. Someone says, I can't remember anything, but you can quote me songs from the 70s and go on and on and on. Or you can quote me baseball stats if you're a baseball fan or stock quotes or favorite recipes. I mean, you get what I'm talking about. We remember what really matters to us. It's true for everyone. And so you can develop this habit and you should develop this habit and you can work on this habit. And by the way, though, I think the Lord, I'm going to trust the Lord just put this in my mind. There are apps for that. I have been helped in recent months uh, by an app. I decided to pick it up and use it and I've been really enjoying it. It's just called the Bible Memory app. Um, it costs a little bit of money and there's other apps out there. But there are apps where, you know, I now have on my uh, iPad and on my phone little reminders that come up that says it's time to review this verse and then I, I do this and it tells me bonk you missed it this time or it tells me you got it right this time and you know it just kind of organizes all of that and I have according to I looked at it this morning over the last uh, about four months I have according to this memorized 91 verses and it's just happened because it's a habit that I've developed in my life and Thank you for the applause. I don't think I need any applause. I think anybody can do that. Um, It's something that's available to all of us. I'm just telling you it's there, and you should take the advantage of it. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to bring the Word of God into your mind wherever you are, whenever you need it. And, And once you've memorized things, it allows you to practice another important way of getting God's Word into our lives, which is called meditation. Meditation. A meditation really is just remembering and reviewing scripture in your mind. And a lot of us, we hear meditation and we think new age, uh, but this is not what the Bible is talking about. Biblical meditation is entirely different. You know, if you look at it, other religions practice meditation, and the idea there is you empty your mind, you, you put your mind into neutral. That is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is you fill your mind with the Word of God and you actively use your mind to remember and review the Word of God. And you see, these work together because when you memorize Scripture, you can meditate on Scripture anytime, anywhere. Why is that so important? Well, I'll give you one answer from Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. How often? Day and night. Day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now notice this last sentence. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Anybody here want that? I mean, it's an incredible promise. God says, if you do what I tell you, meditating on my word day and night and then putting my word into practice, God says, you will be prosperous, you will be successful. And this is so important. It's so important. We actually, in our 201 class, teach you six different ways uh, to meditate on Scripture. That's coming in February, by the way. If you haven't taken class 
201. Um, you can sign up on your Connect card. If you have taken it and you need a refresher, you're welcome to come back as well. See, this is just part, it's a part of the habit of Bible intake. And I'm trying to help you see how serious God is about you getting his word into your life. God makes serious promises to anyone who takes him and takes his word seriously. One more way. One more way I get God's word into my life. Number five, I respond to it with my actions. Again, listen to verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, James says, don't deceive yourself. How do we deceive ourselves? Well, when we think that just hearing something means we've got it. No. You only actually believe the parts of the Bible you actually do. I only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. And James is just telling us we are to do the word. Uh, that's why, by the way, and I don't know whether you've ever noticed this or not, but we do something here that not all churches do. In the message outlines that I give you almost every week, uh, almost every point, almost every time, like today, they have verbs in them. Uh, why? We're communicating to you that you are here to learn and then do the word, not just listen to it, not just receive facts and information. And in a lot of places, it's like you hear message after message after message, and you learn truth, you learn facts, but you don't really learn how to put it into practice. And so I'm attempting, as I, I seek to teach you God's word, to tell you what I think the word of God is saying for you to do, how you can put it into practice. And so I'm giving you principles stated in terms of action. Why do we do this? Because God's word commands us not to just listen to the word. God's word commands us to do what it says. Now, James actually highlights this truth in the last two verses of our passage, verses 26 and 27. Listen to what he says here. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue... He deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I just want to quickly point out, he gives three examples of how Christ's followers should respond with action to God's word. He talks about the way we talk. He talks about the way we care for the disadvantaged around us. He talks about the way we strive to live holy lives. And he's just telling us, if you say you love the word of God, but you don't keep the word of God in practical ways, James says, you're self-deceived. James says, your religion is worthless. He, he tells us we've got to do the word of God. We respond to it with our actions. And that is, by the way, why Southwind serves is so important. We, we started this last fall as part of our Breakthrough Spiritual Initiative. And if you remember, we are seeking as a church family to serve our communities in, in practical and, and in tangible ways. Why do we do this? Because we believe that good deeds lead to goodwill, which opens the door for the good news. And as you are beginning your life groups, uh, many of you this week for 2020, I just want to encourage you as a group, will you begin looking to God's word and asking 
God what he's calling your group to do in practical, tangible ways to serve your neighbors, to serve the communities that's around you. Just so you're remembering this and we don't forget, we are still working uh, with the city of Tracy to get 120 benches on our streets renewed and repainted just as a way uh, to show love and care to our neighbors. And some of you are going to want to tap into that as some of you did last fall. Now, maybe you remember, this is the reason why, if you didn't hear about this, but last fall, God enabled us in his grace uh, to pay off the school lunch debt for the entire Tracy Unified School District. This is about putting God's word into action, showing love to our neighbors. And there are so many more things that we can do as we seek God's leadership in his word and he leads us to follow him through his Holy Spirit. So, five ways to get God's word into my life. Now, here's the thing before we close. I don't know of any Christ follower who would say they don't need God's word in their lives. In fact, I am confident that every Christ follower in this room right now wants to know God's word. You want to live God's word. So here's the question. Why does that so often not happen in so many of our lives? This is where building habits becomes utterly crucial. We each need to take the steps. Those steps are going to be different for each one of us. But to take the steps to make Bible intake a habit in our lives. And if you leave this place without deciding to do something that God's speaking to you, then you've missed the point of what this message has been about. I'm going to give you something to write down. It's not going to be on the screen. I'll, I'll repeat it so you can get it. But I think it's very crucial in making what we've been talking about a reality. Here it is. To start new habits, you almost always need to stop old habits. Let me say it again. To start new habits, you almost always need to stop old habits. I'm convinced after almost 35 years of pastoring that, that those of us who don't get God's word into our lives fail to do so more because of things we're already doing maybe than any other reason. And so briefly, I want to consider a few things that may be getting in the way, things that you can change, things that you can confront in your life that will help you build this habit. You know, here's the thing I know. If I asked anyone in this room why you didn't read the Word of God this week, you would probably answer me more often than not with this. I didn't have time. People say they don't have time. Let me give you a couple of things about this. John Piper had a great quote a few years ago, and he said this. He said, at the final judgment, the purpose of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram will be to prove that every one of us had enough time to read our Bibles and pray. <laughs> Anybody feel weighed down with guilt when you hear that? But it's true, isn't it? It's so true. And I just want to hear you to hear me. I say this with all the tenderness that I can. Every one of us has the time. I'll make it specific. Every one of us 
has at least 15 minutes a day to read the word of God. You cannot tell me that's not true in your life. I will not believe it. You have that time if you stop doing some other things. The reason I use 15 minutes as an example is this. The average reader, according to the tests that they do with people and the speed at which they read, the average reader, if they read 15 minutes a day, can read the entire Bible in one year. So what do you have to do in 2020, 15 minutes a day that's more important than that? Question to ask. What do you need to stop in your life? Secondly, one of our biggest obstacles is distraction. We have chosen to allow so much noise in our lives, and some of you don't even realize it. You know, some of you, you can't even walk into your house without turning the TV on, and you know you're not even going to watch it. Am I right? Or turning radio on. You don't want it to be quiet. Why? Why? I have a question about this. How many of us need to just put our phone in another room whenever we try to read God's word because our phone sabotages the intake of God's word in our lives so many days? How many times have we allowed our technology to distract us? How many many of us just live with a habit of distraction? Some of you are distractedly scrolling your life away. And you're not hearing the word of God. So what distraction do you need to take out and remove from your life? Some of us, here's another one, we get discouraged because we set a goal. You know, here's the other thing. I, I know some of you right now are saying, yeah, I know, Mike, I, you're right about all this. But I've tried this before. I set goals. I made plans. And, and I failed. You're discouraged. Let me remind you of some theme verses for this series. Galatians 6 7 through 9, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, some of you, and you know who you are. You're inclined towards kind of getting legalistic about something like a Bible reading plan. If that's you, let me remind you of what we have said in this series already about grace. Let me remind you that the goal of reading God's word, the goal of Bible intake is not to check boxes on a page. It is to spend time with your loving Heavenly Father. I have another diagnostic question. Let's see if you can answer this one. How many of you have ever in your life at least once missed a meal? Would you just raise your hand? If you've ever missed a meal in your life at least once, some of you aren't raising your hand. Well, <laughs> so if you've ever missed a meal, here's my follow-up question. How many of you have ever said, you know, I'm such a horrible eater. I, I just can't eat. I'm never going to eat again. I'm just going to stop eating because I fail at eating all the time. You get the point, right? 
When you fail, just keep going. Just keep reading. If you miss a day, well, then read the next day. Don't make a big deal about it. Don't become weary in doing good. And then I have another question I want you to think about, okay? It's a thought experiment. And think about what your answer says about your heart and really about all our hearts. Here's the question. Here it is. If I promised you that at the end of 2020... I would give you $10 million if you read the Bible every day from now until the end of 2020. And I have the ability to do that, okay? So my question, my sermon, so I get to determine the rules. If I made that promise to you and I could actually fulfill that promise, how many of you believe you would actually read the Bible every single day from here on out? And you probably wouldn't have a lot of trouble doing it. Would you raise your hands? You see where I'm going with this, right? See, in the end, we all do what is ultimately most important to us. I just want to leave you again one verse, James 1, verse 25. He writes, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? This is the promise of God's word, and that promise is available to you. It's there. You can be blessed. Build this habit of Bible intake into your life.